I wonder if you've ever been in a position where you've been completely helpless. I certainly have, and way more many times than I can count. There was the time I was body surfing at the ocean and got caught in this monstrous wave. And I was just thrown every which way. I didn't know which way was up. And for a few moments, I was completely helpless. But then I was rescued because that wave eventually petered out and it pushed me up onto the shore. One time I crashed on my mountain bike and went flying end over end. And when I hit the ground, I broke my back. I was helpless. I had to be rescued by paramedics. One time I was driving on I-5 in Southern California in the midst of a torrential downpour. And as I started to change lanes, I hit a puddle and my car lost traction. And I slid across four lanes of traffic before I was able to regain control. I didn't hit anyone or anything. But for a few moments, I was completely helpless. And I was rescued from that moment. And depending upon your point of view, I was either rescued by sheer luck or by the grace of God. You see, whenever we're helpless, we are by definition unable to rescue ourselves. When we're helpless, we need something or someone to step in. And it's true in every aspect of life, and it's particularly true in the spiritual realm. Because when it comes to our relationship with God, yours and mine, we are helpless. We are broken people who fall so far short of God's perfection, and we cannot earn our way into God's favor. We cannot become holy and sinless and acceptable to God on our own terms. And so spiritually, we're, we're like a person tossed in a wave, or, or like a person at the wheel of an out-of-control car, like a person thrown from a bike and flying head over heels. We're spiritually helpless, and we need to be rescued. And thankfully, amazingly, God wants to rescue us. He wants to rescue us, and he does it through something called grace. Grace. Grace offered to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. His death on your behalf and my behalf is an undeserved gift. And that is grace. And so as spiritually helpless people, the way forward is to embrace God's grace. And that's the message of the book of Galatians. Embrace grace. And in chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that only God's grace can rescue us from the damage of our broken lives and our broken world. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us, to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. And so after introducing himself, Paul, as he usually does, offers his readers a blessing of grace and peace. And I don't think that word order is an accident. I think he wants to remind us that God's grace always comes before God's peace. When we embrace God's grace and are rescued from our sins, then we can experience God's peace. And God's peace is unique. From a, from a human perspective, we often view peace as the absence of conflict, but God's peace is so much more. It's an inner tranquility of spirit. God's peace is a state of mind and a state of being that transcends our circumstances. And that's why Paul once called God's peace the peace that passes all understanding. And this unique Spiritual peace is a companion to God's grace. Grace and peace fit together like two folded hands. So if we're not at peace, we're filled with fear and anxiety, then perhaps we need to re-embrace God's grace. Because when God's grace fills us, And we extend God's grace to others. It's amazing how our tensions dissipate and are replaced by God's peace. Grace and peace. That's what we need. That's what our spiritual ancestors in Galatia need. And these people had been spiritually adrift in their lives until the message of Jesus came to their communities. And then they repented of their sins and they were baptized and they were given new life through Jesus. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not rescued by their own efforts or by trying to prove to God how spiritual they could be. They were rescued by God's grace which set them free from sin. And now because they are free, they're able to enjoy a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. But unfortunately, there are some Jewish Christians who don't like the way these Gentile Christians are practicing their faith. Now most Jewish believers, like Paul, have joyfully embraced the message of grace through Jesus, and they've left behind the demands of the Jewish law. Some Jewish believers, though, have tried to take Jesus and graft him onto Judaism. Here's the problem, though. The Jewish religion is a system of laws and rules and rituals, and it was specifically designed by God to show us that we cannot spiritually rescue ourselves. And so to add Jesus to the Jewish law doesn't work. It's like like reaching out with one hand to be rescued and reaching back with the other hand to hold firmly on to the very thing that we need to be rescued from. Now these particular Jewish Christians there in the first century are called Judaizers because they want the Gentile church to look and feel and act Jewish. And it wouldn't surprise me if they want the Gentiles to have churches that look like synagogues and to sing Jewish worship songs and perhaps to adopt the Jewish posture of prayer. It wouldn't surprise me because so often we do things like that. We 
We want to urge people to do things the same way we do them. We want them to express their faith in the same way that we like. We find it easier when everyone looks like us and acts like us. And so we tend to prefer conformity in our spiritual practices. And we get uneasy with those whose Christianity looks different. Well, the Judaizers, they do that, and they do even more because they go beyond spiritual practices to doctrine, and in particular, the doctrine of circumcision. And the Judaizers claim that even if you are a repentant, baptized believer in Jesus, even if God has filled you with the Holy Spirit, you aren't spiritually rescued from sin unless the men are circumcised. And that's not just a practice, because it means... Oh, you have to embrace the Jewish law in order to be saved from your sins. Now, sadly, that teaching gets a foothold in the Galatian churches. And it's not healthy because under the Jewish law, your forgiveness and salvation are dependent on you, which means you're trying to spiritually rescue yourself, which is impossible. Yet the Gentile Christians start to believe this. And so Paul writes to remind them That God's grace, God's grace and only God's grace is what rescues them. And he's going to go into this more deeply throughout the letter, but here at the outset he offers this very succinct summary of what grace is and what grace does. Grace is a gift from God the Father and Jesus the Lord. Jesus who died for our sins. And because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, he rescues us from ourselves and he rescues us from the evils of the present age in which we live. That term, the present age, has a very specific meaning in the Bible. And it refers to the entire time that humanity lives in a broken and sinful world. Moses lived in the present age. Paul lived in the present age, and we live in the present age. And we look forward to the age to come when Jesus will return and establish God's eternal kingdom. But we have been rescued, which means that the present age doesn't own us, it doesn't control us. We've been set free from the evils of our world. Because of God's grace, you and I can live with hope and with peace today as we wait for the age to come. We've been rescued. Rescued from our sinful condition that keeps us separated from a holy God. Rescued from our sinful desires that cause us to miss out on the best that God has for us, rescued from the lure of our ungodly culture so we can live as followers of Jesus, rescued from fear and anxiety and filled with the peace of the Holy Spirit. All of this and so much more belongs to you belongs to me when we embrace grace. That is why grace is such an incredible gift from God. 
as the classic hymn says, grace is amazing. I spent some time pondering this idea of grace during the week, and it occurs to me that as followers of Jesus, you and I sometimes casually toss this word around. But it is a word loaded with meaning. Grace in the Bible refers to something beautiful and full of charm. It refers to something that not only is good, but also is lovely and inviting. And let's face it, not everything that is good for us always is attractive. When we're kids and mom says, eat your vegetables, (laughs) she's telling us something that's good, but we may not think those vegetables are terribly attractive or inviting. What kid wants to eat a Brussels sprout? God's grace isn't at all like eating our vegetables. God's grace is good and lovely and inviting and charming and beautiful. And it is all of these things because it is 100% undeserved. And the painful truth of human life is this. Because of our sinful attitudes and actions, we've all betrayed our creator and he doesn't owe us a thing. And yet he offers himself in the person of Jesus to clean up our messes, yours and mine. Grace is a gift of undeserved generosity, given to us freely by a holy and loving God. A God who wants to be our father and who wants us to be his beloved children. That's why he rescues us from sin and from the evils of the present age. All because of grace, and only because of grace. The grace of God is so beautifully made real in the worship experience of communion, which we're about to share together. And each time we gather for worship on Sunday, we eat the bread and we drink the juice that reminds us of Jesus' body, which was broken and bleeding on the cross. And I like to think of the cross as a neon sign from God blazing his message to us across the centuries. Here's my gift of grace to you. And I think the only reasonable response is to fall down in humble worship before our great God, to honor and praise his name, and to joyfully, thankfully embrace grace. Because only the grace of God expressed through Jesus Christ can rescue us from ourselves.